Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Empowered Word of Faith podcast. Good evening, everyone. This is Evangelist Alfreda Lockett Evans. I'm from Full Gospel Holy Temple Church in Dallas, Texas. Tonight's podcast is entitled The Death Grip of Sin. Are you holding on to it or does it have a hold on you? Sin is terrible. It can cause a mother to kill her child as an abortion or a father to cause his children to suffer as in desertion and abandonment. It can cause an entire nation to fall, which is what will happen to our country if we do not turn back to God or an individual to abuse his own body to death as in sexual perversions, smoking cigarettes, or drug abuse. I have some questions. Here's question number one. What exactly is sin, and why does it have such firm control over human beings everywhere? The Bible tells us that sin is the transgression of God's law. It is merely either doing what God tells us not to do, or not doing what God tells us to do. It's saying no to God's way and choosing another way. But all disobedience is sin. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. 1 Samuel 15 and 22 through 23. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Here's question number two. Where did sin come from? Sin came from Lucifer, who was a created being, an anointed cherub. He was beautiful and highly exalted as a created being. But because of his beauty, pride arose in his heart, and he decided to attempt to exalt himself above God. The scriptures describe him, but also presents God's judgment against him in Ezekiel 28, 12-18. Son of man, Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. 
by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. By the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. 1 John 3 and 8 says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. In a nutshell, Lucifer, or also known as Satan, deceived or tricked God's man Adam and his woman Eve, and they both disobeyed God. Because they disobeyed, every man and woman born after their fall became infected with the evil of sin, even until today. Babies don't have to be taught to lie. It's a part of their sinful nature. Scenario. Three-year-old baby John knocks a vase off the table and it breaks. Mother, baby John, did you break mama's vase? Baby John, nope. Who taught baby John to lie? No one had to teach him. It came with the package. Here's question number three. What are the consequences of sin? Sin is utterly destructive. It separates us from God. It ushered in death, and it will ultimately send one's very soul to hell, a place of eternal pain and torment, if it is not forgiven. Question number four. If sin is so bad, why didn't a person just stop doing it? Sin is a part of the nature of a person. He desires to sin. It would be easy to just not sin if it were not for the fact that it's woven into his DNA. We must remember that mankind has an enemy, that old devil, who loves to see man sin. The devil hates us. And he wants us to die as a result of sin. It is only by the power of God that we're able to just stop the sin business. It's like a man who has a 52-inch waist and 33-inch hips. He may pull his gut in for a few minutes, but before long, he will have to let it go right on back to its natural state. It's only when that man loses the weight, girdles just give the illusion that the belly is gone, Will he be free of a protruding belly? Other people just refuse even to try to stop sinning because they love sin. Here's a scenario. Poachers want to capture a group of monkeys in Africa to sell in the U.S. They can't catch the monkeys because the monkeys reside in trees and they can escape when they're approached. The poachers, aware of the monkeys' love of bright and shiny baubles, lay a trap for the monkeys. They placed a large, brilliant red fake ruby inside a wooden cage. 
The cage has bars just large enough for the monkey's hand to reach inside and grab that fake jewel. The trouble is, the monkey cannot pull his hand out of the cage if he has a grip on the bauble. Now when the poachers approach, the monkey has only to open his hand, let go of the bauble, and escape to safety. But because he refuses to let go of that bauble, it causes him to be captured. This scenario talks about a monkey, but the same is true for some individuals when it comes to sin. Some people love their lifestyle so much that they can't let go of the bauble of sin, repent, and be saved. The comedian, for example, who loves his trade of lying and cussing may refuse to let go of his quote-unquote work because he loves it. He loves the fame and the accolades that he receives as a celebrity, and he refuses to let go. Many even desire to be in a right relationship with God, but they refuse to let go of the sinful babas. That individual has such a firm grip on sin that he just cannot let it go. On the other hand, there is the individual who wants to be set free from sin, but sin has a firm grip on him or her. Here's a scenario. A fast, flippant, and rebellious young teen girl goes against her parents' rules and sneaks out of the house to meet a young man that she met on the internet. As it turns out, the young man is a 40-year-old pimp. He grabs her, beats her, and forces her into a life of prostitution and drugs. Nightly, she's forced to abuse her body and her soul. She does not want to do the things that she's forced to do, but sin has such a grip on her that she cannot get free. Now, in this terrible scenario, the individual cannot get free because of the solid grip that sin has on her. What she needs is an outside force that is stronger than the grip of sin to intervene on her behalf. In actuality, whether the individual has a grip on sin or if sin has a grip on the individual, the solution is the same. That individual needs a real relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The solution to every man or woman's sin situation is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God who knew no sin, became sin so that we could be set free from sin. The righteousness of God hates sin. His justice requires that it is punished. This meant that all men and women are destined for hell as a punishment for sin. But Jesus Christ came to earth, died for our sins so that we do not have to die, and is now in heaven interceding for us. A person who wants to be set free from the grip of sin has to want to be free. God will hear and see that person's heartfelt desires to be free, and then he will cause circumstances, situations in that person's life that will lead to his freedom. The Bible lets us know that every individual can be set free from the power of sin. Titus 2, 11 through 14, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appealing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So let's talk for a minute. The bottom line is this. Whether your sin problem is that you love the baubles of sin so much that you're holding on to something that will cause your ultimate destruction, or if sin has a firm grip on you, you can be free. You can be saved. This also includes the sinful pride of refusing to see yourself as a sinner. If you provide the want to, God will provide the means for your salvation. Now, when God supplies the means for your salvation, then it's up to you to act on it. God is not going to do everything for you. You have a role to play. You must run to safety when the door is opened. Could this blog post be your open door? Remember, we're only guaranteed one opportunity. Now, some people may receive many opportunities, but there are some who may only receive one. I encourage you, when your door is open, run to Jesus, repent of your sins, and hold on to Jesus with all of your strength and all of your might. The blood of Jesus is strong enough to break every stronghold of sin, but you, again, you have to want to be set free. The Bible says that you must not harden your heart when you understand your need for salvation. Hebrew 3 and 15 says, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. What that means is, when you hear the voice of God speaking to you, and if he's doing that, it will witness to your spirit. You cannot resist that. You cannot harden your heart. You have to receive your salvation when God opens the door. Now, salvation is pretty straightforward because the hard work has already been done for us. Salvation is merely stating to God that you're sorry, then accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. An example of some words that you might say are these. Father, forgive me of all my sins. Save me and take me to heaven when I die. Jesus, if you save me, I will live for you. If you say these words and mean them with all of your heart or words similar, he will hear you and save you. Now I can provide the words, but you must give a heartfelt meaning to the words. And then after you repent and are saved, you do need the power of the Holy Ghost. I encourage you to find a Bible-believing holiness church that functions under the power of the Holy Ghost. What you need is a deliverance church. Now, I recommend my church, Full Gospel Holy Temple Church in Dallas, Texas, where I received deliverance nearly 45 years ago. We also have other churches throughout the country. You can find us on YouTube or you can find us on our website at www.fghtt.org. Whether you have a grip on sin or it has a grip on you, I'm praying that God will set you free.